Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 70th edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Today, our topic is Lawyers Swarm to Ghost Blogging, But Is It Ethical? Sharon and I are happy to welcome as our guest Kevin O'Keefe, the CEO and founder of Seattle-based LexBlog, a leading provider of social media and blogging solutions for law firms. The LexBlog's network, LXBN, includes over 8,000 lawyers from around the world. Kevin was a trial lawyer for 17 years, successfully marketing his law firm via the internet in such a positive way that USA Today once said, if he isn't careful, he may wind up giving lawyers a good name. (laughs) As an attorney, he was a sustaining member of the Association of Trial Lawyers of America and a board member of his state trial lawyers organization. Kevin's blog, Real Lawyers Have Blogs, is a leading source of information on the use of blogs and social media by and for law firms. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with your guests. Well, thank you. And, and, you know, I want to start out by saying that when I gave a recent ethics lecture, Kevin, there was a veritable storm of controversy among the attendees about whether ghost blogging is ethical. Uh, my view was that it was not, and uh, a lot of them wanted to believe that it was. So it seemed like a really good podcast topic. But let us start at the very beginning, because I know that when I started talking about ghost blogging at the session, they didn't know what it was. So can you define ghost blogging for us? I don't know. You know, I'm not overly familiar with the topic, quite frankly. I mean, and I say that it's kind of tongue in cheek in that, you know, I couldn't imagine having somebody else write a blog for me any more than I could uh, imagine somebody going out to meet a client for me or going to a networking event where I was invited to as a guest of honor or invited to speak in front of a group. And I I didn't think enough of the group, uh, so I just sent somebody that really didn't know about the topic. You know, having said that, my understanding is there are some lawyers that somehow think that blogging is just about putting content on the internet that has words in it that can get Google to look at the content that can bring traffic to their blog or their website, much like I'd like to have a billboard on I-35 or I-95, and there I know there's traffic because cars keep coming down it, where my website and my blog, I don't know that there's traffic, so I've got to get words on it, and I just don't have the time, and I don't have the energy, and I don't want to learn what it's all about, so I'll have somebody else do it for me. So they're just they're putting up words on the internet in a little bit misguided way, I think. Kevin, you speak often on legal ethics topics. What ethics rules apply in the case of ghost blogging? You know, I think the biggest one is that, you know, obviously lawyers advertising is governed, you know, by each state, but, you know, the model rules of professional contact on conduct, you know, from the ABA, you know, do have restrictions on lawyer advertising. And yeah. Although I don't view my blog as an advertisement, or I look like it, and I think a good lawyer should look at it as an opportunity to network to the internet. But 
you know, if a lawyer's going out there and saying, I'm going to put up content as a way to garner traffic, and they're going to have to put a disclaimer at the bottom of it that says, this is attorney advertising, then they have the obligation not to do anything that's false or misleading in that communication about the lawyer or the lawyer's services. And a communication that's false or misleading is one that contains a material representation of fact or law or omits a fact necessary to make the statement considered as a whole, not materially misleading. Now, there's a mouthful. Um, So the question is, is an attorney's failure to disclose that their blog posts are written by someone other than the attorney misleading? And by admitting a fact that, that, hey, even though it says that my firm wrote this blog by implication that it's published by our firm or by me, is that misleading? And I think a real case can be made that it is misleading and ethical. So it's disappointing to me that you could have larger companies sell services to lawyers where they sell blog content to the lawyers. And so the lawyers didn't write the content. So they're basically, you know, suborning uh, unethical conduct by the lawyer's part. Now, in the case of fine law, they've started to put on their, that it's written on behalf of the lawyer as opposed to the lawyer um, to to get around that. But I, I think there's a real 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 problem with the, the ethical issues. Well, I do too. And, and one of the things that I think happens is that people go to a law firm website and they want to see, does this particular lawyer know about my subject area? And so they might stumble onto, because they've asked a question that is the title of a lawyer's blog post that he or she didn't write, they might stumble onto there and... Here they see what what you often see, the the photo of the lawyer. Then you see this blog post. You've got maybe even a contact us form or something there. And so they believe that they are engaging a lawyer who knows about this topic, even though the lawyer hasn't written the blog post. And, And to me, that seems like it is certainly misleading the public. But I got a lot of pushback on that. What do you think about it, Kevin? Well, you get a lot of pushback from people on anything. I mean, lawyers are lawyers, um, and some lawyers are lazy, so they're not going to write their own content. You know, the, our practice is filled with lawyers that are, are not going to work at what they do. I mean, the, in addition to the, the issue that you describe about their expertise, I mean, a blog demonstrates a lawyer's passion, care, and expertise. It allows them to wear their heart on their sleeve. I mean, they're not going to be pundits in the way that Rush Limbaugh would be a pundit, but they're going to allow someone to develop an intimate relationship of trust with that lawyer. So when I left the practice, it was because I had some success using the internet, you know, 15 years ago. And the reason I had some success was that people felt that they could trust me. It was an intimate relationship of trust. So by the time they were sitting down in my office or the time they got on the telephone, they trusted me. So now we're going to go out and have lawyers fake trust. We're going to go out and say, begin to trust this voice that you're hearing. It's not mine. And but I do hope that you call me. Um, you know, I that, that bothers me a lot. You know, I, I thought during law school we were above that type of stuff, but you know, obviously some lawyers are not. You know, we're not alone in the, in this belief. You know, so Josh King, the VP of Business Development at Avo, you know, who's their general counsel and speaks regularly on ethics, just said, you know, ghost blogs are unethical if there's no disclosure. Period. And uh, unlike you know, a work product in the firm, you know, if I'm an associate helping a lawyer that hired me 
you know, 30 years ago, write a particular article for the State Bar Journal, that's a little bit different, if, or especially if it's a brief or a memorandum. That's a work product. There is no ethical issue that says you can't draft something as a memorandum or brief or a set of interrogatories without disclosing you know, who actually did it. Um, that's a little bit different uh, issue. Then you got lawyers, you know, they're just writing people's faces on it. You know, Mark Benner, Mark Bennett, a Houston criminal defense lawyer, you know, he says that, you know, claiming someone else's word is your own, which by definition is a ghost, in order to increase your own credibility, which is how the ghost blogger in question market it, is just flat out deceptive. And as a result, you know, it's a, it's unethical. You got Brian Tannenbaum, who's, you know, a criminal lawyer in Miami that does bar and grievance uh, work. Uh, with lawyers uh, down there, you know he's he's written about it. You know, talking about the standpoint that lawyers blog because they want higher Google placement, and now they're not disclosing who's writing the content, and that's just flat out, you know, un unethical. You know, so you know I think the lawyers that are more familiar with the concept, um, you know, feel very comfortable in saying this is this is unethical, and uh, it's just unfortunate that we got companies out there selling ghostwritten blogs. You mentioned about notification and, and, uh, and such that people know that it's a ghost blog. Does a disclaimer make it ethical, you think, Kevin? I think it does. Put it right up there. I didn't write this. I had somebody else do it. They didn't go to law school. They graduated with a journalism degree. They really don't know anything about this subject. Um, I'm doing this you know, because I don't have time to help you. <laughs> I don't really see anybody wording a disclaimer exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know that, uh, <laughs> that somebody's going to put that up. That's about how I feel. But I, but so, so often they put the disclaimers, you know, in little tiny print yep. uh, somewhere where you wouldn't hardly see it. Uh, and that's why I think Jim is, is asking the question, yep. uh, you know, if, if it's like that, is it doing any good? You know, I don't know that it, let's, let's think about two different things from an ethical standpoint. I mean, when we look at attorney advertising, most of the, you know, for example, let's take a look at blogs as an entirety as to whether they need a disclaimer that they're advertising and I'm writing the content. I think to be safe, you'd say, okay, they do, um, rather than get into a dispute with a bar association. Where's that disclaimer? It's on the bottom of a blog. It's got 10 posts on the first page. How many people scroll down there and it says attorney advertising? Not very many. So you're probably going to see those disclaimers in, in those type of things. Now, arguably, Jim, you know, with something as possibly as egregious and misleading as this, uh, that maybe that disclaimer has to be higher. Problem you get into though with, with the sheer volume of of issues that are coming up with the internet. I don't know that the that the states governing bodies, whether they're through the state supreme courts or through the state bar associations, have the time and the resources to deal with these issues uh, because there's just so many of them. But I, I think the better issue you, you, to look at is which is likely to work better. You know, if I can develop an intimate relationship of trust with people and blogging to me is not about putting up content. That's not the most important thing. The most important part is the listening part. So if I'm just speaking with a lawyer, great lawyer in Texas, um, and we're talking about his approach to what he's going to do to blogging. It's listening to subjects. It's listening to sources. It's having his reader set up appropriately. So his blog is really a networking opportunity to engage the thought leaders and the influencers on a particular subject. Because at that point in time, 
that lawyer becomes a lawyer's lawyer. Now, the lawyers that are sitting here doing ghost blogging, they're always competing. They're the same guys and women that are advertised on TV, that advertise on radio, that advertise on Yellow Pages. And don't get me wrong, I did all of that, but they're never going to be the lawyer's lawyer. They're not going to be the lawyer in their community when the other lawyers are asked, who's the best lawyer in this community for estate planning? Who is the best lawyer in the state for medical malpractice? Our child, you know, suffered a brain injury from, you know, deprived of oxygen during when she was born. Who gets those cases? Is it going to be the lawyer that goes throughout the content or is it going to be the lawyer that has built up the, her reputation as a go-to person, as a lawyer's lawyer on that issue? So you can look at the ghostwriters to some extent are only fooling themselves. And in time, this idea that we're going to garner links and on Google and that's going to perform higher in the search engines, that's all going away because the social signals, because you're involved socially, whether it's blogging or using Twitter or using Google+, whether it's LinkedIn or whether it's Facebook, all of those things as they weave together, that makes you that lawyer's lawyer. And the ghost-written content isn't going to get that lawyer to that level. Sorry to be long-winded on that. So I think it's two issues. You know, you have the the disclaimer issue, is it appropriate? But then you, you're going to have the lawyer hurt themselves if they're doing it like that. Real quickly, I have never seen a legal ethics opinion or a bar complaint filed on this issue. Have you, Kevin? I have not. Have you, Jim? No, I have not. So I'm thinking I'm thinking it's 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 just not there, even though there there may be some potential harm. Um, it's kind of speculative. It's just that you may hire a lawyer who doesn't know what you think the lawyer knows. <laughs> and I think you had one, one, one last question, Jim, before we go to break. Sure. Uh, just real briefly, why has ghost blogging become so prevalent? I know sometimes I'm tempted when I don't have time to get to my own blog. But why do you think it's become more prevalent recently? You know, lawyers have more money than time. Lawyers are lazy. You know, sometimes lawyers don't put their emphasis in the right place. You know, it's become a lot of things. Keeping up with the Joneses. You know, I heard that other lawyers doing that. I can do that too. Companies that condone that you know, are out there. So they'll sell the service and the service uh, makes a lot of money. So there's probably a lot of factors in play that cause that to happen. All right. Well, let's, let's take a break for just a moment and we'll be right back. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking to Kevin O'Keefe, a nationally known blogger and the CEO of LexBlog, Inc., about the ethics of ghost blogging. You know, during this session that I had where everybody was so combative with me, uh, and these were all good friends, so it was fine that they were combative. But, you know, some people I thought were perfectly venal in saying, you know, I'm doing this because it helps with SEO. So I just pay for it and my website comes up higher in the search engines. So what do you think about that, Kevin? You know, it's, it's fine. You know, I think it's short-sighted. 
you know, you know, quite frankly, if lawyers said that they could get most of their work off of sandwich boards in front of strip clubs, they would do it. And people, and 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 the, and the companies that prepared the sandwich boards and identified the right strip clubs would make a lot of money because of, because there's going to be a significant number of lawyers that just don't care. So there, an answer came to you and said, "You know, listen, Sharon, this is working. What's the problem with it?" <laughs> Gee, I, I don't think it's very tasteful, and I think there's some ethical issues. You know, <laughs> the fact that it's working for you doesn't mean that you can beat those arguments. Are my concern? I'm still going to have that concern. That every it reminds me of that uh, "Life is short, get a divorce" billboard that they had up, <laughs> and, and that one didn't even come down because it was distasteful, even though it was. They, they it was only because they didn't have the the right contract or something. <laughs> You know, there's some things that are going to be more entertaining, and they're they're always going to be there. Um, uh, it's disappointing that this happened. Uh, I when I stumbled into a blog, it wasn't because I was looking to blog or to start a company that could help lawyers develop strategies and solutions to do it. But I just said, "Wow, this is something lawyers can't ruin because <laughs> because you got to do it." <laughs> Little did I know. Uh, you'd find a way around it. And uh, when I was asked, you know, 10 years ago, how are you going to do a company where you're, where people are going to pay to have to produce content? I said, well, good lawyers are going to. You know, it's, it's not going to be most of them. It's only going to be a fraction of them. But if one out of 100, you know, or, or a half a, you know, maybe it's a half a percent out of 100 blog, you know, because they care. Uh, because they want to be a good lawyer, because they care about other people, they like growing professionally. You know, this the other thing that that you're missing out on by ghost blogging. How much are you learning? How much are you learning? Are you getting to be a better lawyer? Is the network of relationships growing? The people that you're people that you're getting to meet, so that you can do a better job for your clients, is that growing? Um, are you meeting a better better breed of lawyers, so that they're a phone call away all the time, anywhere in the country or maybe the world? Um, you know, are you know you constantly on top of your game because you're reading things because reading is more important than blogging? No, you're not. And so, any lawyer that blogs is going to tell you one: it's a lot of fun that they learn a ton and they make some wonderful relationships. And the people that come in and they meet with them, maybe they didn't come because they saw their blog and they said, "Oh my God, there's the 800 number. I got to call the lawyer. I got to call this lawyer." But by the time that they did come, they feel that they have an intimate relationship of trust with that lawyer. That's that's special, and uh, that's something that lawyers should be proud of doing. Not something that they they hire out. Do I begrudge the lawyers that are that are doing ghost blogs? No, you know I, I don't. Um, and as long as it, it, it's ethically disclosed in a way that people know it's done on behalf of them, those type of issues. Yeah, that, that's fine. It's, it's just it's, it's their choice, and it's been a very tough choice for my company to make that real and authentic engagement is what we stand for. So when somebody asks me, "Gee, you, you guys have a thousand blogs. You have eight thousand authors, you know, on these blogs. How many of them are not writing their own content?" When I went around and asked in the firm, I couldn't find anybody that knew for sure that anybody was doing this. Could there be somebody out there? It, of course, there could be. We just don't. We just don't know it, and uh, we just have decided, you know, not to come up with a service that we would sell ghost blogging, if you will. Um, it, was, it was a tough decision because it, it would be something that we could make money uh, by doing. Lots of money is what I'm finding out. 
Well, Kevin, I know the learning part is is certainly uh, true. I, uh, you might say something over dinner or over drinks, but if I'm going to put it on the internet with my name on it, I'm going to do that little extra level of research. So I certainly appreciate that. I, I've heard of ghost blogging contracts that say that nobody else will be given uh, in your practice in your geographical area the same blog post. Is that trying to hide the fact of ghost blogging? Do you believe? I don't know. It, it sounds like they're trying to prevent duplicate content on Google. I know at one time uh, I was actually seeing duplicit content on lawyers. I would go into a Google search and I'd go, oh, my God, this major company um, is, is putting up blog posts. And they were actually syndicating them onto the front page of, their, of, their, of, the, of the company's site, not the law firm's site. Multiple posts, uh, same identical content coming from multiple firms. But obviously that's changed. So I, I don't know, Jim, and it's... Uh, you know, it's disappointing. I mean, think about that. I mean, you're, you're sitting in your law office and now you're entering in an agreement that spells out that this is the only content that can be used in Oklahoma on exactly these words. And imagine the lawyer saying, well, can you use it in uh, Kansas? Yeah, but we changed the words around a little. <laughs> it's, it's silly when you think about it. You know, I, I wouldn't know either of you guys, but for my blogging and but for you guys being out there. That's really true. There was one particular post, and I picked it up because I have a, a Google search or Google alert rather set for digital assets because that's a topic that I lecture on. And only because I had that alert set did I catch a number of people who had the same blog post on digital assets. And I think I found 10 of them, 10 different states. <laughs> it was hysterical. And, and what, what a couple of them did was they changed the title of the post, but the body was all the same. Um, the others didn't even bother to change the title. <laughs> and the lawyers may not know that because they've hired somebody to do this. That, that's true, Kevin. I mean, it gets even more and more removed and more and more ridiculous. But I think that that really would rip a hole through trust if people were to discover it. And that's why they do this geography thing. And and I was going to ask you about the, the true value of blogging for yourself. But, man, you covered that in a beautiful way. So let me just um, end by asking if you have any tips, because I know one of the things lawyers say to me is, I, you know, I don't have time. I can't do it. That's why I farm it out. It's not that I mean to deceive everybody, but this is just how I get content. Um, do you have any tips for how to blog without chewing up a, a huge amount of time? Yeah, I think, I think the first, per, first one is to focus. You know, so when you're doing this blog post, it's not about content. Who are you networking with and who you build a relationship with by virtue of this blog post? You know, so if, if I'm doing a blog post referencing a piece of content from John Barker at Walters Kluwer, where, where he's really into uh, how are we going to use social media along primary research, well, you know, I'm referencing his post. I'm taking a blog quote. You know, I'm strategically building that relationship with John. You know, I get an email from this morning that he thanks me, looks forward to the next time we get together for dinner in New York. That's pretty strategic, okay? I didn't just put up content. The second thing is is to realize that listening is more important than the content. So, you, 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 to me, you need to have an iPad. You need to use the right application so that you can listen to the right information in a way that's fun for you to do so. Because blogging is not, okay, I've got this blank screen. What am I going to write about today? I wrote down some topics. It's what did I hear and what am I going to begin to reference? And there's a wealth of conversation going on on subjects. And by I mean conversation is, you know, the reporter in the New York Times talking about an issue, and now you're referencing that. You're getting a thank you note from the reporter of the New York Times. 
maybe it's a local newspaper, maybe it's a local chamber of commerce, maybe it's a local healthcare provider, maybe it's a local financial planner. All this information, what you want to be doing is referencing that. So your blog isn't so much as, hey, there's this diary up on the screen where I'm putting up content. It's an opportunity for you to curate other people's information and to say why you shared it. In the old days, we clipped out an article from a newspaper or magazine, asked my secretary to make some copies of it. I didn't just stick it in an envelope without a note. I sent a note on it with people as to say why I'm sharing it. Think of a blog as like that. That's why it's so much different than articles or writing content. It's a different thing. It's to blog. It's a verb as opposed to a noun to say, I have a blog. It's to blog. And so if you got the focus and you're engaging, you're going to have a lot of fun. And then you're going to start to get work. And once you get those attaboys and girls, people saying, hey, I've been following your blog a long time. I really like it. So people calling you and saying, hey, I'd like to fly you across the country. You've only been practicing for you know, two years, and they're flying you across the country and putting you up, and they want to have you speak in front of a large group, or they're asking you to be an adjunct law professor because you only practiced for four years because you're looked at as really knowing this niche. I mean, that's cool. And so you've got to get your blog to the point where it's getting that positive reinforcement. So you're feeling good about the fact that you're a lawyer, and now you're feeling good about what you're giving back, and you're feeling good because I'm bringing in work. And that's the holy grail, doing the type of work that you want for the type of clients that you want to work for. And that's what you can do. And that doesn't happen with ghost blogging. I agree with you on that. And, and of course, a lot of reporters watch um, blogs as well, and, and they, they look for information on a particular subject in a particular jurisdiction. They may well run into you, too. And God help you if you haven't written the post, because you don't have anything very intelligent to say to the reporter. <laughs> and you meet them. You know, I, I don't leave it by chance. I'm I want to meet if I want to meet the uh, the national letter for the uh, for legal for the New York Times, you know, and he's written about some issue about social media and the lawyers. I, I take him on on the issue, and so <clears throat> I didn't wait for John to call me. He may have never found me in a million years. So it's that type of thing that, that that's the strategy behind it. It's not writing content. It's going after and looking for those people that you would like to meet, people of influence. Well, Kevin, we sure do want to thank you. Not only have you given us a good lesson in ethics, but also in, in how you can, in fact, use blogs effectively by not ghost blogging, but by writing it yourself. So thanks so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Thank you, Sharon. And thank you, Jim. It's a real honor to be able to be on with you guys. And that does it for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to The Digital Edge, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.